Hello, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age comic book podcast, Flea Market Fantasy. I am your co-host, Mike L., and as always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. That's right, and uh, even though October is over, our Shocktober theme continues, right, Mike Dell? <laughs> That's right, Mike L. We're extending Shocktober. Woo! One more episode. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing Werewolf by Night, issue 15 from 1974. And we can't just do this on our own, Michael, because Werewolf by Night is such a big, monumental book. Right. We needed a guest. That's right. We needed a helping hand, so I reached out to my pal, Miles Watson. Woo! That's me. There he is. It's Miles Watson. And again, Drag he's been on the show. The he's been on the show many times. A three-time winner of the Best Indie Book Award for his novels, Cage Life, Knuckle Down, and Sinner's Cross. But the reason I want him on this show is Miles is a horror film aficionado. He loves all things horror. Isn't that right, Miles? It is true, and I love werewolves. They're my favorite uh, evil beast that stalks the night. <laughs> I think they're, they're my favorite as well. Uh, when I was a little kid, like five years old, I dressed up as a werewolf for Halloween. And we got like this uh, glue that we like glued hair to my face and everything. It was crazy. But uh, so, Mike, where do you weigh in on the werewolves? I mean, I love the Wolfman Universal horror films. Yeah, launch. Um, yeah. I mean, other than that, I, you know, I've seen the Hammer Horror werewolf film or films. But, you know, the, I mean, overall, I'm not a huge fan. You know, like, I think I like va vampires more, but... What a creep. <laughs> yeah, we should mention this issue features Dracula. Dracula yes. versus the Wolfman. And that's another reason why I asked Miles to come on, because uh, he loves the Twilight series of novels. Right, Miles? Oh! <laughs> now, if you're just going to bring me on this show to ridicule me, <laughs> I'm going to ask for double the fee that I was paid <laughs> to come on here tonight. But Miles and I are team werewolf. Mike, you know, team vampire. I'm team vampire. So, Miles, what is your favorite Wolfman or werewolf film, then? Well, I do like the original 1940 or 41. I want to say it's 1940 or 41 Wolfman. I like that film a lot. I think it's a very effective, tight horror tragedy film. For it sure. It created a great deal of tropes in the genre. American Werewolf in London, I've always enjoyed. I haven't quite the same passion for it as other people. I actually like the howling quite a bit. And I rewatched Wolfen recently Wolfen. for the first time in about 25 years or something, which is not really a werewolf movie, but it's about supernatural wolves in New York city who kill people. So it's huh. quite surreal. Yeah. Edward James it's, it's a very weird movie, but definitely difficult to forget once you've, once you've seen it, but I've always been a fan of werewolves. When I was in high school, actually we had to do some kind of involved report on the middle ages. And mine was, I recreated the spell that people cast in the middle ages to, uh, to become a werewolf. Cool. Wow. wow. Nice. Now, yeah. did you become a werewolf when you redid that spell? To the best of my knowledge, no. <laughs> who really yeah, you may not even know. The string you of may mysterious and horrible murders that follow wherever yeah. I go. I think it's related <laughs> to me. Yeah. Just find clumps of hair around the apartment, but I <laughs> don't know why. 
I find, you know, gore, blood, all kinds yeah. of crap. Oh, and I'm a big fan of old-time radio, as, as uh, Mike yeah. Dell knows. And my favorite old-time radio program of all time is The Shadow. And one of my yeah. favorite Shadow episodes yeah. is called, uh, I want to say, I'm going blank on it. It's like The Beast Howls at Night or some crap sure. like that. I can't remember. Uh, Death Prowls at Night, I think it's called. And it's a werewolf story, and it's really, really good. Like, it's, nice. the beginning of it is genuinely scary. Like, if you listen to it at night, even now, it creeps me out a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I've always loved werewolves. So, any werewolf movie I'm going to check out, even if, you know, it turns out to be, like, vampires versus lichens, underworld stuff. And I did work on Underworld 4. Now that I <laughs> as I sneer at the Underworld series, I just realized I worked on one of those yeah. movies. So, um, really? yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but Miles used to do like special effects in Hollywood. No way! I didn't know <laughs> that. Yeah, in wow. Los Angeles, yeah, for 12 and a half years I worked in LA, and for some part of that time I worked uh, off and on in makeup effects. I worked at KB, I worked at Optic Nerve, I worked at Masters FX, I worked at uh, Quantum and Drac Studios as a, a guest guy coming in. Um, and I think I'm missing one or two studios there. But yeah, one of the films I, I very briefly worked on on the world for, uh, I think for vampire fangs or something like that. But, um, <laughs> we worked. Yeah. I did a lot of, did a lot of horror stuff during that time. Um, I'd have to look on the IMDB page that I have to see what the hell I did on Underworld Four. <laughs> My main memory of that movie is being yelled at by security guards, but, uh, <laughs> that's another story. Um, but yes, werewolves, like werewolves. I love vampires, don't get me wrong, but I, I just really like werewolves. The Howling was a very influential movie for me growing up. Sure, that's the one with, what, D. Wallace, right? Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's got, it's, it's, it's one of those movies where you recognize every single actor in the right. film, but they're mostly character actors, so... Right, right, right. You don't necessarily, like, Chris Stone and those guys, like the guy from Terminator who sold the Terminator the guns, and um, the guy who was in the Avengers, his name is escaping me. Um, Patrick McNee. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody in the film you'll recognize, but they're not, you know, gigantimous, famous actors. Right, right. Sure. Um, among makeup effects guys, I'll say this real quick. The howling is considered beneath American Werewolf in London as far as the makeup effects go. Mm. But I think the effects for the howling are excellent. My personal opinion is that Werewolf London is excellent, obviously, but I think the howling effects are underrated. Um, Interesting. Very good. Yeah. I never saw it. So. It's good. You should see it, for sure. Yeah. Howling's fun. It's, it's a combination of horror and a lot of tongue-in-cheek, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek comedy with some social commentary at the very end. I, I, I thought the howling was a great movie. The, th the reason that Howling's not better remembered, I believe, is because of the string of ridiculous sequels that it produced. Mm. Which, in the scale of ridiculous sequels from horror movies, is probably as low as it gets. Really? The Howling 2 is subtitled Your Sister is a Werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I'll the Howling 3 is subtitled The Marsupials. <laughs> yes. Uh, and werewolves with pouches on their bellies. I thought and it was going to be, your mom is a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, it's probably somewhere in there. It's like, it's like that line from uh, Spaceballs, your cousin's roommate, sister's best friend's yeah. uncle's cousin. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's a werewolf. Yeah, 
Yeah, the fucking wino in the corner is a werewolf. What are you going to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Miles, did you ever hear of Werewolf by Night, the comic book? Never, and I was fascinated by this comic. I don't want to jump <laughs> the gun. But when I saw the first page, I was like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> what the oh, there hell you. is this <laughs> thing? It's probably a Canadian that came up with this idea. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. what he's not, he's not pure blood from Illinois. Um <laughs> He might be from some, you know, Quebec-like province. Who knows? But there's werewolves, there's vampires. I didn't, I didn't, but then I was like, holy crap, this is really like Hammer Horror. It re- yeah. Down to the fashions of the, the drawings of the characters and the, the hot blonde girl, which they always yeah, have in a Hammer movie with big right. Yeah, you always got to have a blonde girl. Mike L., yep. I have never read any Werewolf by Night. Have you read Werewolf by Night? I don't think I've ever read it before now. No. Yeah. Because, uh, Miles, a couple weeks ago, we did Tomb of Dracula on here. And, uh, oh, wow. so, so that was something. Hey, but, Mike L., it, <laughs> it just turns out that uh, I just picked this werewolf by night because I wanted to extend Shocktoberfest. Because, yeah, I know you love Shocktober. Right. But I just found out today that Marvel is rebooting Werewolf by Night, and issue one came out this week. Come on. Get yeah. out. What a yep. coincidence! Wow. I know. I had no. I had no idea. I guess it might only be like a four-issue limited series, but the new Werewolf by Night is a uh, Native American teenager named like Jake Gomez, I believe. Okay, not as cool as Jack Russell, but yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll get into this guy in a minute. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty weird. It uh, it all comes together, Michael. Look at that. Is, yeah, that'll be good for marketing this episode, I'm sure. Right? Yes, I'm sure the sales will <laughs> skyrocket. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Marvel first published a Werewolf by Night story in Marvel Tales one sixteen in nineteen fifty three, but that was a Werewolf by Night story, not this Werewolf by Night story. Mm. Like it was just titled Werewolf by Night, but it wasn't this character or this premise. And that was in nineteen fifty three. But because of the Comics Code Authority uh, that came in in nineteen fifty four, they cracked down on werewolves and uh, vampires and zombies and all that stuff. So Marvel couldn't do another werewolf book until the Comics Code relaxed in 1971. And then this werewolf by night, the werewolf in this book, uh, Michael mentioned his real name is Jack Russell. He first premiered in Marvel Spotlight issue 2 in 1972. And then that same year he got his own series and it ran for 43 issues ending in 1977. And Werewolf by Night is probably most famous for giving us Moon Knight. Moon Knight made his first appearance in issue 32. Right. Uh, that's a <laughs> I had no idea yeah. that the Moon Knight yeah. origin was in yeah, this I, uh, comic. I guess some cult hired him to track down the werewolf, and he captured the werewolf, but then he, he, uh, he had a face turn. He turned good. <laughs> he helped the werewolf escape, uh, stuff like that. All right, so the yeah the werewolf is just called the werewolf. His actual real name is Jacob Rusoff, mm. and uh, he was created by Jerry Conway, Roy Thomas, and Mike Plug. <laughs> and Mike Plug is the artist in this issue. Marv Wolfman is the writer. But uh, Jacob's grandfather started the werewolf, and we we get that backstory in this issue. So we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, but uh, so. Jacob's father, though, was a fellow named Gregory, and when he became a werewolf, he sent his wife, uh, I believe her name is uh, Laura, 
and their two children to America, where she was from, because he didn't want them being around him when he's a werewolf. And then an angry mob killed him. As you know, that'll happen. Mm -hmm. A werewolf. But then when they're over in America, Laura remarried a fellow named Philip Russell. So Jacob Rusoff, his name became Jack Russell. Gotcha. Which is, as Michael mentioned, <laughs> is a type of a dog. But yeah. Jerry Conway, who came up with the character name, said he was not aware that it was a type of a dog. He had never owned dogs. He had no concept of dogs. He just picked that name. So what a coincidence, eh? Well, at least yeah. the name of Hound Dog, right? Yeah. First and last name. <laughs> Jack Russell. Um, <laughs> what else do I want to say about this guy? Uh, I don't know. I guess that's it. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's not much. Well, on his 18th birthday, he turned into a werewolf. Like, that's when the curse got him. Oh, you know what? i, I got to mention one little piece of trivia. I'm sure you're aware of this, Miles. That the idea, like, the actual werewolf in lore or myth or whatever is just a wolf that's, like, possessed kind of, like, by spirit, right? But it was Hollywood that invented right? It honestly depends on the culture that you trace the myth back from. This is something I have nerdily studied. If right. you listen to some of the... If you listen to some of the old-time radio broadcasts of the 30s and 40s, um, they actually have to explain what werewolves are to the audience. And wow. they use the word werewolf and vampire interchangeably in some because werewolves were considered to be shape-shifting monsters, not necessarily wolves. And the lore of a lot of these creatures has come out through film, not through, you know, through what we would consider to be folklore or what have you. So the, there's a thing in France called, I don't know how, I don't speak French, but the, the word is L-O-U-P hyphen G-A-R-O-U loup garou, loup garou, I don't know how you pronounce it in French, but it's a shapeshifter that becomes a wolf. Um, but in different, in different cultures, there's different meanings of what a werewolf is, or, and it doesn't necessarily translate. Like if you, if you type werewolf in Google Translate in German, it comes up as werewolf. So they have, you know, that's a myth that's, that's a straight line. But mm. if you go into Southeast Europe and different other places, it might mean a shape-shifting monster. It might mean somebody who rises from the dead. Sure. Uh, to feed on the blood of the living. It's, it's, it's a lot of these myths and the names interchange. Interesting. Miles, you know way too much about this. That is, that is well, alarming. Do I know not enough? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. All right, I guess that's really all the backstory you need on Jack Russell. I don't know. Uh, he has a sister uh, mm -hmm. named uh, Lissa. And for a brief time, his sister was a werewolf. When, uh, but then she was cured. Just like, <laughs> what was it, the Howling 2 or whatever? Your <laughs> sister's a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. um, so, all right, I guess let's get to the issue, Michael. Are we talking about, wait, we talk about Mike Plug? Well, we'll talk about him after. Okay, okay. All right, so, <laughs> like any good wrestling match, we yeah. start the story in the middle of a fist fight. Well, well a talk fight. Talk about the cover, Michael. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, this cover, of course. Mike Plug on art. Uh, Werewolf by Night, uh, classic Marvel banner across the top. 
as we've discussed recently, instead of a corner box, we have a corner circle with Werewolf by Night coming out of it, which is cool. Then we got a nice shot here of Werewolf. <laughs> I don't know what to call him. Yeah, I guess Werewolf. Werewolf yeah, about, about to fight Dracula. And it's pretty cool. They're on top of like a castle or like a gargoyle, I guess. Well, Werewolf is on top of the gargoyle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. It's a nice shot. It kind of reminds me of the cover of um, Spider-Man versus Superman, you know, like the way they're posed. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it says Werewolf by Night. When Dracula strikes, and then at the bottom there's a, a red box that says, "This is it, the fight to the finish." Begun in Dracula number eighteen. Spoiler alert: It's not a fight to the finish. Right. Um, uh, Miles, how do you feel about this cover? Um. Wow. Uh, it's. I guess it's what I expected. For. <laughs> For this, you know, because this is somewhat what I grew up with, you know, this this style of art and everything. I grew up at the end of the era of the traditional monsters before Jason, Freddy, Leatherface, Pinhead, etc., etc., replaced the traditional um, vampire, mummy, werewolf, Frankenstein. So this confrontation is actually fairly classic in my mind. So I guess it was what I was expecting, to be honest. The werewolf art is a little different because he doesn't have long ears like a wolf. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's, the art of the werewolf is very different than what I was expecting. I'll, I I'll, think they, uh, they they changed his look later in the series where he started looking more like a wolf. Um, but yeah, because he has like a, a round head, like a human head. and Very round, yeah. Exceptionally uh, round head. I thought the art on the cover was a little cartoony, the way it comes off. I don't know, like, it's the inking or the coloring. But then I was when I was researching the, the Mike Plug, they said that when he first went to Marvel and he submitted uh, some stuff, they gave it back and said, uh, a little too cartoony. So really? I, I guess they... But then they hired him, like, a week later. So it didn't, it didn't matter. They needed him anyway. But, uh, yeah, like, his art doesn't look like this throughout the book, necessarily, but, like, that Dracula looks very cartoony to me. Well, if I if I had to guess, he, I would say he reminds me a little bit of Joe Staten or Joe Staten, and he's a very cartoony artist. So, yeah, he's probably like influenced by like maybe older nineteen fifties, you know, comics. Right. His uh, big influence was Will Eisner. Oh, there you go, nineteen forties artist. Interesting, so, but okay. uh, but I like the cover. Uh, yeah, it's a cool, that's, that's what you want: Dracula and Wolfman getting in a fight. Right. What? And All also, right. I, I gotta say, I like how the moon is sort of uh, framing like the text when Dracula strikes. Yeah, it almost looks like a uh, like they put that on a cover normally just to highlight the text. But yeah, it's the moon in the background. Yeah. Right. It's pretty cool. It's good design. All right, so that gets us to the big splash page. Well, it's kind of like a subdued splash page because we had two panels at the top. Um, right. Wolfman and Dracula fighting, and here again, the art looks more classic Marvel comic book art. Let's say. That's because it's inked by Frank Cermonte. That's oh. Al. Uh, that's Al Marcotte's favorite inker. <laughs> oh, the curmudgeon. curmudgeon right? You curmudgeon. Yeah. You got it. So we'll, yeah, we'll be making a, a curmudgeon reference later in the show as well. Oh, will we? Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Miles. The the curmudgeon is a fella who used to do uh, comic reviews and stuff on Mike L's video channel, and he was hilarious. I yeah. loved. Him. <laughs> uh, anyway, but not Larry. <laughs> hey, no, it's not Larry. It's not Larry. 
All right, Mike, also uh, take it away. Describe this, your uh, splash page. <laughs> well, uh, like you said, it's a, it's a mini splash page because there's two panels of them fighting, and then the splash page is Dracula. It looks like he's trying to bite his neck. Yeah. And uh, as vampires would do, right? And uh, Werewolf is, uh, is recoiling, and that's it. They're kind of, you know, he's kind of like, you know, what is that called when you uh, talk smack to someone? Talk smack. Yeah, you battled your way through the <laughs> castle Dracula creature, only to perish at the hands of its master. And then we get some. We get we get a lot of um, notes from Roy Thomas, the editor yes. here. Some are better than yeah. others. I'll say that. Some but Miles, look, look at this picture of the werewolf here. Uh, he does have the pointy ears, and he kind of has a. Yeah. Uh, the art of the werewolf is a little bit inconsistent throughout this story, and yeah. maybe that's consistent with the the you know the mythology or what have you of this particular werewolf but it doesn't i i don't see a unifying aesthetic for the for the werewolf in this comic <laughs> i would agree yeah he does change a bit maybe it's all uh, different stages of transformation you know but uh but i like the splash page so yeah they're fighting michael on this balcony of a castle and uh the wolfman looks like he's got the upper uh or the werewolf Looks like he has gets the upper hand because he just throws Dracula off him in the next page, which is itself another splash page. Right, another splash page, and we should comment that there's first person narration. From yeah, by Jack Russell. Werewolf. Yeah, slash Jack Russell. Right. So yeah, it's weird. We get another splash page in the fighting, and then this is funny. Then the next page is three gigantic panels of Dracula. So maybe they're yeah. just kind of filling time here, eh? Three long vertical panels. Right, right. Page. Right, yeah. more, more, more smack, right? Talking smack. Well, well Dracula's about to kill him, but then he senses this uh, strange power clawing at him, driving him back. And he's like, what is happening? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's exactly right. what he said. No, it mustn't be. Not oh, when no, I'm so no. close to destroying you, beast. Not now, not now. And then, and then, of course, he gives him the old, picks him up over his head. Yeah, the ultimate warrior... Uh, press right. That's right. And it throws him off the balcony, but then he, I guess he forgot that Dracula can turn into a bat. So he yeah. just turns into a bat and just flies away. How can uh, anyone forget that? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. I like uh, Werewolf just picking him up and throwing him off the balcony. Right. Very cool. And then we get a cool scene here. We just get a little kind of side little scene here where Dracula... <laughs> flies along and comes upon this innocent girl walking in a forest by herself. And then we see this bizarre shot of his bat with a human face, but he, and also Dracula's hair, kind of. It's a really weird yeah. shot. Yeah, it's like Dracula's face on a bat. Right, he's right. weakened. He's, he's weakened by, from his battle with the uh, werewolf, so he needs to feed on, feast on blood. And uh, there he goes. I like this, Miles. Uh, I think this is a, a pickup line I've heard you use a few times. <laughs> me, woman. Dracula has need of you this night. Pretty sure I've heard you say that more than once. I have. You'd be surprised how ineffective it is, but <laughs> I have needed it. Yes. Come with me, woman. Yeah. So there you go. Come with me, woman is effective if, if you <laughs> are, you know, in a house of ill repute and had a large wad of cash but as far as Dracula needs you this night that's never gotten me in yeah so then we come back to uh, werewolf and now he's with the hot blonde and Michael do you know who this hot blonde is 
This is not his sister, right? <laughs> no, it's Topaz. Oh, yeah, that's Topaz. right. Topaz, that's right. Now, she she first premiered, uh, I think, in issue 13 of Werewolf by Night. And she's like a sorceress who was an apprentice of a guy named Taboo, who was an evil sorcerer. And she captured the werewolf back then. But then again, as, as often happens, she she turned good and rescued the werewolf. And now they're on the run together. And uh, But she has all kinds of like uh, magical powers and telekinesis and all kinds of stuff. So right. She's the one who drove off Dracula. That's right. That's right. So they're kind of incorporating superpowers into this supernatural comic, right? In a way? Or is the other... Uh, no, th this is all mystical, magical stuff. All so. right, all right. Yeah. So then they, uh, so then, so then they cut away from that to this is now the supporting cast of Tomb of Dracula, right? Yes, we, and this was very confusing because they right. cut. We're looking at we're looking at uh, werewolf and topaz, a blonde woman, and next thing we know, we just cut to another panel of a helicopter flying towards the same castle right. that they were in. But there's no like narrator narration box saying "meanwhile" or you know. <laughs> no. Right, right. This is one transition that really did confuse me in the story. I didn't like this at all. This part here. Yeah, because right. then we cut into the helicopter and we get uh, what's his name, uh, Frank Drake from Tomb of Dracula and right. Rachel Van Helsing. And Rachel Van Helsing is also an attractive blonde woman. And. Frank Drake kind of looks like what you'd expect Jack Russell to look like when he's not a werewolf. So it's like, wait, did, what's going on? Hey, you, if you weren't paying careful attention, you'd be very confused. Right, and then the thing is, is then he's like, besides, I am a descendant of our friendly count, remember? I'm like, why is werewolf related to Dracula? You know? <laughs> yeah, the werewolf isn't, but Frank Drake is. Right. So, yeah. And then, I think it's funny how they're flying in a helicopter and like, 50 feet away, there's a bat. They're like, no time, Frank. Look, Dracula. They just know it's Dracula. <laughs> and then, I love this. Oh, my God. He's reforming as mist. Sleeping into the cop... Or seeping into the copter. The steak. Give me the steak, Rachel. This dialogue's not great. Uh, and then, of course, we get, yeah, Dracula with the sort of little bit of human face there, kind of looking down at him as he's attacking him. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's laughing itself around me. Claws digging to my head. No, Frank. Gone, but it's yeah. Miles, Dracula is still in bat form, but he's kind of going for a rear naked choke on uh, Frank Drake. And yeah. you know, Dracula's been around. He he had time to master many martial arts. Yeah, yeah. master of jujitsu. The underappreciated I missed, but will still choke you out. Martial arts is one that he doesn't really discuss <laughs> with the common herd. Yeah, Miles, we kind of learned. We've done like two Dracula books before this, and neither one of us had ever known that Dracula could turn into mist. But apparently that's just what he does. Were you aware that Dracula can turn into mist? Depending on what movie you watch, I have seen Dracula... Oh, good God almighty. I've seen Dracula <laughs> turn into bats. I've seen Dracula set on fire. I've seen Dracula get staked through the heart and live because they pull the stake out after he's dead, imprisoned in ice. I've seen him uh, uh, change into different shapes, wolves. That's another thing he can do is turn into a wolf. Um, yeah, rats. I, I command the winds. Um, there, there's very little, and I have seen Dracula take mist as recently in Vampire Lore as Buffy. So, oh, look at that. Yeah. 
So it is what it is. Dracula basically Dracula does whatever the fuck Dracula wants. Yeah, he's Dracula. He's the prince of vampires, etc. He does what he wants. He basically invites you to disagree with his, you know, his power. So, so Dracula's trying to like choke out this uh, Frank Drake with his wings and causing trouble, and then he just gives up and he just flies out of the helicopter because I guess he thought he did enough damage that the helicopter would crash. But not so fast, Michael. Nope. Um, so, but so yeah. So the controls are uh, all uh, effed up. But then he's like, uh, you know, try easing the controls slowly. You may be able to tug it loose. Then here goes nothing, honey. <laughs> Tell me if it works. Because I'll be too blasted scared to open my eyes to find <laughs> out that I'm dead. Yeah. It turns out they're okay. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> they land. They land. No trouble. And now we get another... comic uh, book version of Schrodinger's cat, by the way. Yeah, if they're alive or dead. Yeah, right. Keep your eyes shut. Uh, so then we cut another, uh, we get another scene break. Hours later, I woke. So now we're in the uh, Jack Russell's narration. And again, we're with the blonde woman and a guy who looks exactly like Frank Drake. But no, it's Jack Russell. This <laughs> yeah, <time>. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all so confusing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh, they, they found this diary at the castle they were at where they were fighting Dracula. And uh, it's the diary of his grandfather. And it explains, and notice Mike on the front cover, diary. Really yeah. big. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it explains how his grandfather uh, got the uh, werewolf curse. So explain that for us, Michael. Sure. Well, so they flash back to uh, his ancestor. What's his name again? Where is it here? Uh, I don't know. Jimmy? 180 years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, doesn't even, it says it here somewhere. But anyway, yeah, his ancestor is chilling out. And then basically... Uh, he comes across, uh, okay, hold on a second. I don't have to remember all that. <laughs> Even though I just read it today. Baron well, he's Rusoff. Baron Russoff. Yeah, he's right, Baron right. Russoff. I'm so, okay, this is funny. I'm sorry, but your wife, she's been slain by the vampire. Louisa killed by Dracula? He threatened if I did not kneel to his power that I would suffer, and I swore to slay him if he tried. For Louisa, I shall make my promise come true. Gustav, lay my wife to rest. I shall return later to mourn for her. So he doesn't seem to be too phased <laughs> by the yeah, fact that he's broken up. Right, exactly. I suppose, yeah. He has to kill Dracula now. So right. He goes out with this big wooden stake, and he just goes right into Dracula's castle and stabs him in the chest while Dracula's sleeping. Right. Easy peasy. No trouble. Yep. And then Dracula turns into a skeleton. And then, but that's not enough, right? I love yeah. that. I encased him in a coffin lined with balls of garlic yeah. and threw him over the balcony edge <laughs> to the cold Danube waters below. Michael, this is very much like the Spectre last week we did, where they the guys put the Jim Corrigan in the barrel. And That's threw right. That's right. Very similar. Yep. And then he's just going through Dracula's house, just busting shit up. Right. Right. He's not. Yeah. He's not satisfied <laughs> with just killing him. He's got to destroy all of his uh, valuable so that he has no heritage. Right. Nothing to remember him by. But then. Wait a minute, he comes across, you know, there's some woman who just happens to be hanging out at his castle. Yeah. It's a woman named Lydia. And she's been locked up there by Dracula for, I don't know, a long, a long time. And then basically, and then they, they go for a stroll. In, you know, <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're walking home. They're, he's taking her to freedom, you know. Right. Yeah. And then... He thinks everything's cool. He thinks it's all good. But then, oops, he looks behind her. and he looks behind him and turns out she's actually a werewolf. Yep. And so then she ends up biting him off camera. And 
cursing him with the curse of the werewolf, right? Yeah, now, now Miles, is that customary that if you get bit by a werewolf, you become a werewolf? I never yeah. thought that was... Really? That was 100% yes. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. All right. If werewolf does not kill you, and it bites you, you will become a werewolf. That is one of the oldest lores of the, of the lore of the werewolf. All right. Well, that's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, just uh, Jack Russell. Now we're back in the present time, and Jack Russell's talking to Topaz, and they're <laughs> just saying, oh, I don't know. I got to fight that vampire. I don't know. <laughs> and then we get another cut. But this time, I go, we're back to Rachel Van Helsing and Paul Drake, right? I think so. Yeah, and it's such a terrible cut because they look exactly alike. <laughs> right, except, yeah, she's got a red, a red shirt. shirt. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's bad, yeah. Just put in a block, like, you know, elsewhere. <laughs> red know. hair and blonde hair, red hair and blonde hair. It's ridiculous. Okay, and so then we... Oh, okay. go ahead. I was, well, I was just going to say, they're talking about how they got to stop Dracula, but yeah, the mist comes in the kitchen. Where they're and, at, right? and we know there's mist there because Roy Thomas tells us. So we get this little no, uh, dialogue bobble at the top. You know something, Rachel? I've fought him before. I've watched him turn Edith into a vampire. And then there's a little asterisk. And at the bottom, it says, Dracula number 12, fright fans. And by the way, look at this bluish mist heading towards our two vampire hunters. <laughs> Boy. Oh, I hate that. I don't know if we need that. Yeah, we don't no, really need that. No. Oh, it's just so patronizing, but whatever. <laughs> and so, yeah. Word. Yes. Right. So then, yeah, there's this mist there, and then, of course, she's like, Frank, he's here in this room as a mist! <laughs> Choking me! Yeah, so now Dracula's attacking them as a mist, right? But here's so the question. If he can just stay as a mist and choke people to death, why doesn't he just always do that? I don't know. Like, why even get out of mist form if that's because, like, there's no way they can stop him as a mist. Maybe he, can, maybe he can only do it for like a certain amount of time. I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so then, then he just leaves. Like, he yeah, could kill yeah, them right. both, and he just leaves. He says, "Oh, you know what? I gotta go." I, but for now, you have a reprieve. For I, uh, I sense I must be elsewhere. Right. So this is two times now where he could have killed him, and he just let him off the hook. Because he has right. other stuff to do. He's very busy. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I love this. He, he sees their helicopter, and he's like, but first, to be sure, Van Helsing <laughs> Drake cannot escape. These controls give flight to this vehicle, and if they're destroyed, then there shall be no escape at all. <laughs> they don't show yeah, what he does at all. Keep that in mind, that scene. Okay. Because we'll right. come back to it at the end. Okay. <laughs> <But> <laughs> remember that panel. All right. All right, so yeah. now we get another cut, and we're back with I don't know. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess this is Van Helsing and Paul Drake, right? Yeah, right. I think or no? Yeah. This is Topaz. No, this is Topaz and Jack Russell. Right, 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 right. She put on a red shirt. That's what confused me. But she's wearing oh, a coat over it. Oh my god! So. Which is the same coat the other one had. <laughs> Ridiculous! Oh my god! Okay, uh. okay. So then, uh, then we cut over to Dracula doing God knows what to the helicopter. Yeah. But then a uh, werewolf by night comes out to confront him, right? So now it's time for a rematch. Yeah, fight to the finish, but not fight. really. But yeah, right. The so then they start talking smack again. They're about to start fighting, but then waiting in the wings is Topaz, right? And she's holding that diary. 
Right, right, right. And Dracula notices it, and he's like, I gotta have that book. Right, he's like, the book, you have the book, woman. Yeah, he just finished punching Werewolf, and then he notices the book. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess there's a mystical book called The Darkhold, or it's also called The Book of Sin. And that's, that's how the, uh, the curse transferred to uh, Jack's father. Because even though his grandfather was bit by the werewolf, his, son, his kids were already born, so he couldn't pass it on to them. But then when his, Jack's dad was researching his dad's curse, he found the Darkhold book with the mystical spirits. And like Miles did in high school, he, he, gave that, uh, he recited the spell, and it awakened the curse inside him and his bloodline. Ah, so I don't know. So this book <laughs> that they have here is like a diary that's tied to that first book. But I think this book is the Book of Sins Part Two, like the sequel. Okay, okay. Your sister is a werewolf is the subtitle, right? Yeah, and what is Topaz doing with that book in that one panel there? She seems to be enjoying that book. Her head's thrown right. back. Her, yeah. yeah, you're right. She's in ecstasy. Yeah, yeah she really likes that book. I don't know. But then, uh, but then, so he basically, he's like, okay, so this book is more important. He's like, yes, the, you know, these are the papers. Go, woman. For the moment, the beast's life and yours are unneeded. And yours is about to be ended, Dracula. Who? Uh-oh. It's a blonde and a redhead <laughs> Another guy. <good. laughs> right. Well, that's Rachel Van Helsing and Paul Drake. And she puts a crossbow arrow right through the book. She shoots right. it right out of Dracula's hands. That's right. But but then like two panels down the book just appears in her hands. Like was there a string attached to that arrow or something? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good question. You're worried about the physics of the book. <laughs> yeah, how did this context? We got helicopters. We got Dracula. We <laughs> got him. How did she we get the book? Like Dracula's about 25 yards away from her. She shoots the book out of his hand and then suddenly it's in her hands. I I don't know. Yeah, there's yeah. got to be some logic which there isn't. You're right. Yeah, but so yeah, Dracula really wants that book, and then we cut back to first-person narration from Jack Russell, and it's really awkward. So, but then, uh, so Dr Dracula doesn't even care about it anymore. He like just tosses him aside, and he's like, "Away with you, beast! You're no longer important to me now. I must have the book in the hands of that woman. It can be used to destroy me forever." So yeah, so the, oh, and then somehow, even though Dracula destroyed the controls yes. of the helicopter, the helicopter is taking off. But really, they didn't show him doing anything, right? Maybe he yeah, just I guess, wanted to destroy it. Yeah, I guess we're supposed to believe that the world interrupted him from destroying it, but it is confusing because it seems like he was in the midst of destroying it. But right. yeah, they take off in the helicopter. They're flying away. Dracula turns into a bat. He's chasing them, and the werewolf and Topaz are left there thinking, "Oh well, whatever." <laughs> right that's it that was the big fight to the finish it's kind of like when they book the main event in wrestling and they promise you like this is it and then the ending's a DQ finish no one right. wins no one loses and everyone's miserable <sighs> bit of a cheat and then yeah it says continued in Tomb of Dracula number 19 and then it says but next month in Werewolf by Night the new menace beckons the hunchback of Notre Dame wow hunchback of Notre Dame and then there's a there's a, a commercial or an advertisement, I guess, Michael, for uh, Simon Garth, the zombie. Yes, I forgot there was also a zombie. They had everything. Yeah, I didn't remember there. that at all. Right. I saw it, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. 
And see, this is funny too, is th not only was there Tomb of Dracula, there was Dracula Lives magazine. Uh, there's also Monster, uh, the Monster Frankenstein was also a series. Right, 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 right. So, so there you go. All right, uh, Miles Watson, what do you think of the writing here in this uh, Werewolf by Night? <laughs> you know, I just, I feel like something like this, you have to either reject outright or accept outright. Like, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You know what I mean? This is the classic sort of over-the-top classic horror of you got a castle, you got Dracula, you've got werewolves, you've got, okay, granted, there's helicopters, which I'm not used to in a werewolf story, but I feel like if you buy in at the beginning of this, it's very enjoyable. I didn't like the DQ ending at all. I understand yes. that that's the nature of this stuff, but it was actually a giant cop-out, but I really thought they did well tapping into the kind of aesthetic of the 50s, 60s, Hammer, classic horror, with the classic trope villains of the, the werewolf and the vampire, the forbidden book, and the castle, and we're in the mist, and the bats, and all that kind of stuff. They're hitting these really, it's almost like an old ACDC album, where they're hitting the same three chords, but <laughs> they're doing it in a way that is pleasing. I mean, if you like this kind of horror, if you like classic horror, I actually really enjoyed this comic. I hated the ending, but, and the whole thing where he's like, ha ha, I'm destroying the helicopter. And then the helicopter fucking away. <laughs> like Dracula, you dumbass, you know, like yeah. how hard could it possibly be to incapacitate one of those mash style helicopters? that has got yeah. the, a two stroke engine and, and about a hundred horsepower. You dumbass. Yeah. But, it's Dracula. Come on. Yeah, he fucked he up. I mean, he really lost credibility with that. But having said all that, I did enjoy it. If you, it, again, again, I'm going to sort of triple qualify this. If you like that kind of classic hammer style horror where you have the beautiful woman and the guy who's the hero with the turtleneck and, you know, like <laughs> a canonical right. his 70s bell bottoms in those zippered up beetle boots. You know, with the big platform heel, big blonde, muscular dude. I can see it all. Like, I can see this as a Hammer horror film, minus the helicopter. So, <laughs> right, right. if you like that, you're going to like this. That's, that's what I would say about this. And I guess we should have mentioned, this is all taking place in Transylvania. So, I mean, that's pretty good as a setting. Transylvania. Pennsylvania? Uh, Transylvania. <laughs> Transylvania. Yeah. Uh, also, Mike, oh, this is Marv Wolfman, and we did him with uh, Tomb of Dracula and a couple other times, so we don't need to get into his background. But uh, So what do you think, Mike? Oh? Well, I, I agree with Miles. The, the elements are all there, like all, all the, the standard elements of you know classic horror, but I just think the plotting is so illogical and all over the place, you know? So <laughs> I... I like I could enjoy it as like a as a relic of 1970s horror on that level, but obviously when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense, really, right? Like it's not good. <laughs> we need better scene transitions, right? Need, uh, it's it, it was too confusing with uh, Paul uh, Paul Drake or whatever his name is, Frank Drake and Rachel right. Van Helsing, Topaz and Jack Rock. They all look exactly alike. Um, no tr no clear transition between scenes. It's very confusing. Very confusing. But other than that, like, yeah, like Miles says, it's fun. It's a horror thing, whatever. Uh, there's some fights. I will say I was a little disappointed in the fights, though. The first uh -huh. one was pretty good on the on the balcony. The the second one, uh, Dracula lands a good shot on Wolfman, 
and throws him off him. But that's really about it. It's not. I could have used he, some more punches. He's not really the Mike Plug doesn't look. Like he's really good at action. Like, like when when Werewolf holds up Dracula over his head, it just looks like a shot of Dracula standing but turned sideways. Right? Yes. Like his <laughs> body language doesn't change at all. So very much. I yep, agree. That is true. Yeah, I agree strongly with with that. He's a shitty. It's really bad fight sequences. Um, if you guys remember when we did uh, Mike Dell's favorite comic, the Batman versus the Wraith. <laughs> that, I, oh, yeah. that I brought to the table. Um, <laughs> yeah. The fight scenes in that, even though there were some egregious uh, errors of, of just reality, <laughs> they were a thousand times better than the fight scenes in this. I mean, they're, they're very badly drawn. They don't... Right, right. There's no, it's almost like if you buy those film cells of, say, Star Trek, you know, those individual cells of outtakes of scenes from the original series, you see these kind of out-of-context little frames of, of something that happened, right? Right. That's almost the way these are done, and, and that it's almost like he drew 50 panels, and he randomly picked five to depict the fight. <laughs> good point, good point. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, and they're very stiff, like their movements don't flow, they're not dynamic, um, so yeah. But uh, all right, so let's talk uh, Mike Plug. And, and by the way, Miles mentioned that Batman... That was drawn by uh, Mike L's buddy, Michael Golden. Right. Artist back then. All right, so this is Mike Plug. Uh, he was born in 1940 or 1942. No one's quite sure. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, in Mankato, Minnesota. Mankato, Minnesota. I think that's the first creator we've ever had from Mankato, Minnesota. <laughs> uh, he spent 10 years in the Marines. And toward the end of his run, he worked on Leatherneck Magazine, doing writing, art, and photography. And 1967, towards the end there of his uh, time with the Marines, he started working as an assistant with Will Eisner on the military instructional publication, P.S., The Preventative Maintenance Monthly. Yes, that is the name of the title. P.S., <laughs> The Preventative Maintenance Monthly. And he spent basically two years working as Eisner's apprentice and assistant. And then in 1969, he started doing cleanup art and layouts at Filmation, working on the Batman and Superman animated series. He also did work for Hanna-Barbera, including on Motor Mouse and AutoCat, which I did not remember. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Wacky Races. And he did the Scooby-Doo pilot. Really? Wow. And here's the other curmudgeon reference, Michael. Uh, he got into comics at the suggestion of Eisner's letterer, Ben Oda. Get out of town. <laughs> so Ben Oda, big wow. fan of the curmudgeon, loved Ben Oda. Yep. But he suggested Plu go to the, uh, try comics. So he went to Marvel and he broke in doing black and white horror stuff. But he uh, very quickly got put on, uh, Mar he did Marvel Spotlight 2, which featured Jack Russell in The Werewolf by Night. And then he moved to the regular series. He also helped create Ghost Rider, and he was the uh, first guy to draw him in his uh, Marvel Spotlight debut, and he right. also worked on Man-Thing, The Monster Frankenstein, Call the Destroyer, and Planet of the Apes. And get this, Michael, he left Marvel over a dispute with Jim Shooter. Right, of course, just like Jim everybody, Shooter. right? There's a name even I recognize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Miles, all these creators uh, got mad at Jim Shooter and left here in the early 80s and um, late 70s. Uh, he also worked in movies doing storyboards and uh, art for movies, and he actually worked on Ghostbusters. And he said, uh, if you look at the, the cereal boxes in Ghostbusters, 
He did the art for them. Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. But he did a bunch of movies, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. So there he is. That's Mike Plug. I had never heard of Mike Plug or seen any of his art until this. I think so. I've definitely heard of him because I read all, a lot of those early Ghost Riders. So I've definitely come across his art. Yeah, I, I heard of the name, and we talked about Ghost Rider before. But in terms okay. of experience with his work, I had never done it at all. I'm guessing, Miles, you did not know Mike Plug. No, um, you guys are the experts on these names, but the, the funny thing is, is when you said Jim Shooter, that really brought back a lot of childhood memories. Hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot for us. So, uh, Mike, what do you think of the Mike Plugart? We mentioned a lot about the fight scenes being stiff, and um, but I will say, like, the, the cartoony aspect of the cover, the interiors are not like that at all. It's Well, no, yeah, I mean... If anything, like we said, the action is not great, but everything else was fine, you know? Yeah. Maybe it was a little bit too cartoony, but I didn't mind the art at all, you know? I thought it was fine. Yeah, like, the interior art is more like, uh, it's not as good as our buddy, uh, who's the guy that does all the... Oh, what's his his name? Gene Uh, Colan. Yeah, it's not as good as that, but... It's not as good as that, but it's in that similar, like... somewhat similar style yeah like it's it, yeah he's got a good style like he's it's professional it's just yeah it's not my favorite but it's definitely like now that you mentioned will eisner i can see will eisner especially in the way the girl's drawn the way her hair curls off her forehead definitely will eisner influence there so uh, miles any other comments on the art of mike plug i'm not crazy about the art i don't hate it it's very very much the style of art that i grew up with as your audience may remember or may have blocked out through hysterical amnesia from my previous experiences here, my brother is the one who began the comic book buying tradition in my family. And he, he was born in 68, so his comics date from then on, you know, because he bought the old ones when he was like five. You know, they bought them at the dime store or whatever. They used piles and stuff. So my comic hoard starts around 68. So that style of art from the late 60s to the mostly early 70s, you know, like say the early 70s to the late 70s to about 80. This is very much in keeping with that style of art. So it's yes. not, and do I like it a lot? No, I don't. Is it nostalgic for me? And do I enjoy it on that level? Yes. Yeah, there's nothing spectacular here. Like, oh my God, this is groundbreaking work or anything. But it's, it's solid right. professional it's comic book art in the 70s. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's just not, it doesn't have that subtlety, that artistic kind of, it doesn't pop off the page. It's, it's not bad. It's just, it's from that era, which is not my favorite era of comic book art. Let me put it that way. It's nostalgic for me, very familiar, but it, it just doesn't have those clean, sharp lines and bright colors that I particularly, I personally like um, cleaner, sharper, and much brighter colors. This is a bit, I know, and I know this is, these are scans of a comic that's very old, so the colors are not going to pop, but you, uh, you guys know what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah, a little yeah. Right. right. Uh, Michael, any other comments about Werewolf by Night? Uh, I, I, I would argue that I might have sort of enjoyed this more than Tomb of Dracula in some oh. way. Yeah. I think I like Tomb of Dracula better because Gene Colan drew it. You know, so. Yeah, but there was something even like, the story in this one started out rough, but it got a little bit better as it went along, so I was surprised. So what would you 
<laughs> that being said, I'd still probably only give it a 5 out of 10. Yeah, 5 sounds about right for me. Miles, what about you? I think, for nostalgia's sake, I'd give it a 7. It's really only a 6. It really <laughs> yeah. is only a 6. But, or 6.5. But, like, I, okay, I'll say 6.5 to 7. <laughs> just because we tend to grade pretty harshly on this show, in my experience, <laughs> on this show. Mm-hmm. So, our grades are not on a... They're, Maybe they're on a curve, or maybe they're on some kind of brutal uh, vampire-like slaughterhouse curve. I don't know. But I will say this. Intellectually, I can pick this apart. Emotionally, I found this very enjoyable. Right. So I'll give it at least a six and a half. I, I, for, for actual quality, I'd give it a six. For how much I enjoyed it, and this is keeping in mind the harsh curve that we have here, I would give it a seven. <laughs> All right. There you go. Miles likes his werewolves. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now, Miles, thanks again for joining us. But uh, again, this was an issue I picked. We, I want to get you back on at some point for an issue you picked. I, I know you had a Fantastic Four in mind, but we had actually covered the Fantastic Four a couple times in like okay. other books, like the, the Inhumans, and he, they were involved in a Captain Britain reprint. So, um, but you, I think you said you had another book you were thinking of. I have numerous books at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At my mom's place, but I also have a large stash. Look, I'm, I'm looking through my stash real quick. But I have here. These oh, are mostly oh, yeah. rock. Yeah. Yeah, I combat type stuff. I don't think we want to do that. Um, <laughs> but the next time you're on, we'll let you pick. We'll plan it ahead of time. Okay. And you okay. can get one. I mean, I, I'm also, you know, there's some Dr. Doom standalones that I thought were oh, yeah. more and worthy and actually the fantastic four that i had in mind was really not about the fantastic four it was the battle between galactus and the sphinx which oh, yes. i always thought was one of the seminal moments of my comic book reading as a child sphinx. but uh i do have a pretty impressive stash of a couple hundred comics that i can go through and there are quite a few that uh would be would be uh stuff i would enjoy talking about i would would like to add one thing before I leave, uh, before I'm hurled out. Um, one of the werewolf things I forgot about is the werewolf TV series Werewolf, 1987 to 1988. I don't even remember which that. Was, yes, and the reason you don't remember it is because it was one of the first shows ever on the Fox network when it was brand spanking. Oh! It was a half-an-hour horror drama show, very similar to The Hulk in its overall theme. But it was a half-an-hour, which you never see anymore outside of sitcoms. Very rare that you see a, a non... Sort of like Freddy's Nightmares, you know, kind of thing. Um, if you remember that. But, like, it was a horror show that had a lot of uh, effects, a lot of gore. It had Chuck Connors in it. It had Lance Legault in it. And these are guys that, you, you know... The people on the show were all very familiar. It was like what we were talking about before. They hired a lot of character actors for the show. But it was a show. It lasted about 30 episodes. And then for whatever reason, I don't know if it was ratings or not, or it was expenses, they killed it. And it has never been on DVD officially because they couldn't get the licensing for all the music they used yeah. in the 80s. So some kind of dispute. So to this day, you have to get bootlegs or watch it on YouTube in ultra low quality. But I watched it originally, and it's cheesy, and then, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if you like werewolf stuff, <laughs> some of the episodes huh. are really good. Now, a lot of them are crap. 
<laughs> but some of them, if you like 80s stuff, you'll enjoy it more. If you don't like 80s stuff, there's only about four or five episodes that are worth watching. But if, you, if you're a fan of that era and the actors and all that stuff, there's so many actors on that that you will recognize. It's, it's really outrageous. But it was, it was a straight werewolf story, sort of similar to the Hulk, except there was more, it was more violent. There was more e- eating of people and such. <laughs> But uh, I forgot that at the beginning when I was rattling off some of my werewolf inf- influences from uh, being a kid. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Oh, how about that? All right, Michael. Well, next week, it's your pick. October is over. October is sadly over, but that's okay yeah. because we're finally going to get to one of my all-time favorite comic book series. You want to guess what it, it is? If it's Batman, I want to drive to Canada and no. punch you in the jeans. Nope. Batman. Not right. Batman. We've already done Batman. All right. Uh, not, none other than Transformers. Oh, Transformers. That's right. How about that? Yep. Transformers number seven, which is the second issue I ever bought. How about but, that? Yeah, the first one I got was not by Bob Budiansky, so I decided we've got to do a Bob Budiansky issue, so we're doing number seven. All right. Miles, did you read the Transformers when you were a kid? I had nothing to do with the Transformers. That was one of those, uh, the, the, the Transformers were a controversial subject in my junior high school. Oh, apparently. Uh, yeah, the hormone warmers, as they were called by people who did not like them. Um, there was a violent disagreement. You know, there were He-Man fans. There were Transformers wow. fans. There, were, there was blood in the streets over this in 1985. Uh, oh, I'll you know. That. So, you know, I'm older than you guys. I was a Micronaut fan. I was a fan <laughs> the of the Micronauts. Micronauts. Wow. That's right. We could so, always do a Micronauts issue sometime. Oh, that's that's on my list for sure. I think <laughs> Michael Golden drew those, right? Did that's he do right. Those? Yep. He, the first, uh, like, year or so. Yeah. What right. have I done? Yeah. But, yes, <laughs> I had the Micronauts toys. You know, I was I was older school. I wasn't going to put up with these newfangled gadgets from these youngins. Cars that turn into robots. Give me a <laughs> I want a robot that turns into a bat. <laughs> uh, they had those eventually. Yeah, they did have those. Um, so, all right, Miles. Well, thank you very much. Again, go buy Miles's books at uh, 19books.com or Amazon. Just search them up, Miles Watson. Cage Life. Yeah, and if you, if you do like werewolf stories, my short story collection, Devils right. You Know, has a corking great werewolf story, which... To please Michael, there's also <laughs> vampires. Ah, oh, nice. There you go. You hit both there targets, right? Multiple vampires, but I won't. I won't spoil it. But there's no filthy Canadians anywhere in the book. So. We don't talk about them. <laughs> the others, as they're known in America. The others. Sorry. Well, thank you, Miles. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, All right, guys. I guess we're done, Michael. All right, yeah. Right up. Alright, so you can follow Flea Market Fantasy on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all under Comic Book Syndicate. You can also follow us on the Comic Book Syndicate uh, Twitter account, Facebook, YouTube, and on the Comic Book Syndicate website. Every week we do a different Bronze Age comic book. We rotate between myself picking and Mike Dell picking. So, until next Tuesday, disperse! Disperse!